Hi there, and welcome to Totally His Running the Race, a show enabling young men and women who want to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Tim Harris, podcasting from EI School of Biblical Training in Greenville, South Carolina. Thanks for joining. This is episode 7 of 12, and in today's episode, we're going to be listening to some very practical biblical advice on making godly decisions. Some of you are at the point in life where you are making very important decisions. Decisions like, what do you do with the rest of your life? Which college does the Lord want you to go to? Some of you are making decisions about your careers. Should you take that job offer or should you look for a new job or stay at your current job? The truth is we are all making decisions every day, no matter what season of life we are in. So how do we make decisions that will glorify the Lord with our lives? In today's episode, we're going to hear about six steps based on the Word of God that can help us make godly decisions. Our speaker is Michael Garot. Michael is a teacher here at the school and has been teaching since 2008. He came as a student back in 2000, graduated in 2002, went on to another school and got his undergraduate degree. He then went and got his MDiv at a seminary in Colorado. He's married to his wife, Marie, and they have four kids. Before we listen to what Michael has to share with us about guidance and making godly decisions, let's commit the time to the Lord. Father, we thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. I pray that you would speak through your servant, through your word, that those that are listening might be enabled to make decisions that would please you and honor you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Life is made up of decisions. Many decisions are almost insignificant, like what color shirt you're going to wear today. Other decisions are more weighty and impact the way you live, the kind of person you are, and the direction you are heading in in life. At the heart of godly decisions is a relationship of trust with the living God. In Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, we read, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your paths. Today we're going to look at some practical but biblical steps that we can take in order to make godly choices. We're going to be looking at six steps that we can take to make godly decisions. Step number one is this. Submit your will to the will of God. This is first. Godly decisions are only possible for those who have enthroned Jesus Christ as the master and ruler of their life. There must come a point in your life where you do that, where you enthrone Jesus Christ in your heart, if you're going to be able to make godly decisions. But I also want to make it clear that it's not just something you do at one point in time, but it's something that we must do again and again and again. Every time we come to a new crossroad, we need to make sure that our will is submitted to God's will. Can we honestly say, Lord, I'm willing to do anything you want me to do? Can we pray the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Many times we might think that we're struggling with guidance, but what we're really struggling with, if, if we're being honest, is obedience. Sometimes it's clear what God wants us to do. It's just that we have a hard time accepting it. Think about Jesus. Jesus faced the most difficult decision a person could ever make. Here was the choice. Option one. He could call out to his father to send 12 legions of angels and be delivered from the cross. He knew it was an option. He mentioned it. Option two. He could obey the will of his father and be arrested, falsely accused, tortured, and nailed to a cross naked to die. Jesus' physical sufferings were not the worst part of it. For Jesus to obey, he had to be to actually become sin and experience God's anger towards sin in our place. He had to bear the punishment of our sin. Now, how does Jesus face that choice? He faces it on his knees in a garden. Notice how honest Jesus is. He prays, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. See, he doesn't want to go to the cross, and yet he submitted his own will to the will of his Father, saying, Yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus encourages us here to be honest with God, to wrestle with God. But at the end of the day, we have to be able to say, like Jesus, yet not as I will, but as you will. Father, I don't, I don't want to go to that school, yet not as I will, but as you will. I don't want to take that job, but not as I will, but as you will. I don't want this hardship in my life, yet not as I will, but as you will. So that's the first step. We must submit our will to the will of God. But secondly, we must pray. Pray, pray, and pray again, asking God for wisdom and guidance. Make sure that you're actually praying about the decision. Make sure that you're actually stopping other things, that you're putting your phone down, that you're actually getting on your knees and crying out to God for wisdom and guidance. The Word of God is full of prayers of God's people, that He would lead them. And these are prayers that you can use and adapt and make your own. For instance, in Psalm 25, verses 4 and 5, we read, Make me know your ways, O Lord. Like, you can pray that. Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. In James 1, verse 5, we read, If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach. So you you can turn that into a prayer and say, God, Father, you said that if anyone lacks wisdom, that, that they're to ask of you, and here I am, I'm asking this of you because I need wisdom. And you said that you would give it. And so I'm believing you. Now, in this respect, I think it's important not to make important decisions too quickly. Make sure that you've really adequately laid the matter before God. We don't want to rush ahead into decisions. Sometimes we don't have the option of waiting. But when we do have that option, then we should take, uh, we should give the decision some time. The Bible again and again admonishes us to wait for the Lord. And as a rule, big decisions need more time than smaller decisions. Remember Esther? 
She made the decision to go into the presence of the king, although she knew that she might be put to death for her actions. Because no one comes to the king in that day unless they were summoned. But what does she do before going into the king, going before the king? She prays and fasts for three days. And not only that, she asks all the Jews in the city to pray and fast for three days. She doesn't just rush ahead, assuming that this is the way forward. She prays. Do you want to be assured of the will of God? I believe this is one of the most important aspects. If you want to be assured of the will of God, make sure you have spent enough time committing your way to the Lord. Make sure that you are acknowledging Him in all of your ways. So number one, submit your will to the will of God. Number two, pray. Cry out to God for wisdom and guidance. Number three is apply the clear teachings of Scripture to the decision. Apply the clear teachings of Scripture to the decision. The Bible is sufficient to teach us everything we need to know to please God. Do you believe that? It teaches us everything we need to know to please God. It's adequate. God's word by his spirit is the primary means that God will use to guide his people. Because of this, it's important that we regularly spend time in God's word. The truths of God's word have to become the grid through which we view the world and make decisions. And as you increasingly allow God's word to dwell richly within you, as we read in Colossians, it will become easier and easier to make decisions that line up with God's purposes. Now, the Bible teaches us to ask particular questions when it comes to making decisions. And the first question that the Bible encourages us to ask is this, does the decision conform to God's moral law? That is, is it right or is it wrong? Is it lawful? Any decision that will cause us to break God's law as revealed in the Bible is wrong. Choose to live within the boundaries of God's word. Maybe you're invited to a party where you know there's going to be a lot of alcohol and you will be pressured to drink too much and get drunk. Well, the Bible says don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. Don't go. Maybe you're invited to watch a movie and you know there's going to be certain sexual scene. And the Bible says, don't look at a woman to lust for her in your heart. And it goes both ways, right? Don't look at a man to lust for him in your heart. Don't go. Let's say you feel attracted to a guy or a girl who's not a follower of Jesus and you want to begin a relationship with that person. And you might deceive yourself by thinking, oh, I can reach them for Christ, or I have so much peace about this, or I just have a strong feeling for this person. It's just got to be right. But the Bible says not to marry an unbeliever, which also implies don't date an unbeliever. It's wrong. Don't do it. Don't appeal to Christian freedom or providential circumstances. If it is forbidden by God, it's wrong. Always. God is not trying to rain on your parade. He's trying to protect you from a path that leads to death. And so that's a question the Bible encourages us to ask. But there's more questions. For instance, is it helpful to me? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. So maybe this course of action that you've decided to take is lawful, 
That is, it conforms to God's moral law, but you still need to ask yourself the question, will it be beneficial to me? That is, will it help me? Will it strengthen my relationship with Jesus Christ? Will it draw me closer to him? That's an important question to ask. You might ask the question, is it enslaving? Paul also says, all things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Something may be legitimate, but will I end up in its power? That is, will it squeeze out my spiritual energies? Will this commitment become the dominant and driving force in my life? For instance, maybe you have a choice between two jobs. One job pays more, but you know ahead of time that it will consume your time and energies. It's going to control you so much, so much of your time, that you won't have any time for God, for relationship with him, for involvement with his people. Then it might be the wrong choice. Now, this will be different for each person. There are certain areas I have to be on guard against. Uh, for another person, uh, it might be another area. There might be other areas. For one person, sports might easily become enslaving, and they need to be on guard against it. For someone else, it might be work, or it might be studying. Because of our sin, we tend to turn good activities into ultimate activities, into false gods that we look then to to fulfill our needs. Here's another question the Bible uh, encourages us to consider. Can I do it with a clear conscience? The Bible has a lot to say about the conscience. The conscience is that inner sense of right and wrong. It's that part of us that judges our actions and makes us feel guilty when we do something we believe we shouldn't. Paul says, I always take pains to have a clear conscience towards both God and man. And the question is here, can I take Christ there, wherever I'm going, and look him full in the face without shame? Is this choice of action consistent with my calling Jesus my Lord? Can I do it with a clear conscience? If you can't, then I believe you should not move forward. You need to also ask yourself the question, is it helpful for others? The Bible helps us, tells us to ask that question, right? Godly decisions are not selfish decisions. If we're going to make a godly decision, we must consider the impact of that decision upon the lives of others. Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. So we must ask ourselves the question, will the decision promote other people's relationship with Jesus Christ? Or will it lead them away from God? How will my choice affect others? You could ask yourself the question, am I seeking first God's kingdom? Note that this question gets at our motives. Why do we want to move in a certain direction? What is our motivation? Well, here is the motivation for the Christian. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. To seek first God's kingdom is to prioritize the task that he has left us to accomplish. Well, what is the task that Jesus left us with? Well, he said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's not a task he left just for pastors. That's a task he has left for all Christians. Is this what my life is about primarily? Ask yourself that question. Is this what I'm aiming at? Well, if you want to make godly decisions, 
aim in that direction. You might ask yourself the question, can I do it for the glory of God? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In some sense, this question summarizes all the other questions. Can I do this? It's, it's not uh, so much can I do this and get away with it, but can I do it and point people to God? The Spirit of God wants to apply His Word to your heart. He wants to lead you into the truth. And what the, the, the primary way, again, that He, how God is going to lead you in making decisions is through His Word. So you submit your will to the will of God. That's number one. You pray, pray, pray. You cry out to God for wisdom and guidance. Third, you apply the clear teachings of Scripture to your decision. But fourth is this, gather information and analyze the pros and cons of each decision in light of the Bible's teaching. Ephesians 5.10 says, Try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That, that phrase, try to discern, has the idea of testing, examining, weighing the options. Christianity isn't a religion that encourages you to check out mentally, to stop using your brain. We are not to lean to our own understanding, but that doesn't mean that we're not to use our understanding, especially a biblically informed understanding, and with this spirit of dependence on God. F.B. Meyer writes, for the most part, God will speak in the results of deliberate consideration, weighing and balancing the pros and cons. Sinclair Ferguson writes, Guidance, knowing God's will for our lives, is much more a matter of thinking than of feeling. So gather information. Write things down so that you can see it on paper. For big decisions, I like to make a pros and cons chart. I found this immensely helpful to get my thoughts onto paper, to get the options onto paper, to see something more objective. A lot of people say, I felt like God was leading me to do this or that. But I would encourage you not to use that language. Rather, say something like this. I've prayed. I've searched God's word. I've sought wise counsel. I've thought about this. And I believe God wants me to move in this or that direction. So submit your will to the will of God. Pray. Apply the clear teaching of Scripture. Gather information and think about it. Analyze the pros and cons. But fifth, ask counsel from older godly people in your life. Ask counsel from older godly people in your life. Proverbs 12.15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. I place this step towards the end because it should never replace any of the other steps. You should not expect others to make the decisions for you. You should not lay that burden on them. I see the advice of godly people as playing a confirming role and a warning role at times. Don't get advice from someone else until you've submitted it to God first. You've prayed about it. You've searched the scriptures. You've applied your mind and your understanding to the situation. But then ask advice. God has blessed us with men and women who are older than us, more mature than us who have walked with him longer. 
in, in getting advice, choose people who are older and wiser than you. Beware of the advice of your peers. Remember Solomon's son, Rehoboam? He ignored the advice of his elders and instead listened to his peers, and he lost most of the kingdom. You can read about it in 1 Kings 12. Choose people who know God and walk with God. We want to make godly decisions, and you generally won't get godly advice from someone who isn't walking with God. So choose someone who's been walking with God longer than you have. They have more experience discerning the will of God. They have more experience applying God's word to life. But also I would encourage you to choose people who know you and can understand your situation. It's helpful if they understand something of your temperament, your personality and background and gifts, your struggles. God has used godly counsel in my life time and time again. Be very careful about going against godly counsel especially if more than one person is saying the same thing. They might be seeing something that you are blind to. So we submit our will to the will of God. We pray. We apply God's word to our lives and to the decision. We gather information and analyze the pros and cons and apply our mind to the situation. We ask counsel from godly, older godly people in our lives But finally, we have to make a decision. We make a decision while always being willing for God to redirect us. God expects you to make the decision. And hopefully by this time you have more clarity as to which direction you should take. But let me also be realistic. You might have done all of this and you might still not be sure about which way is right. Which way is God's will. That's very possible. You might have to take a decision without having absolute assurance as to the will of God. But don't be discouraged. If you've done everything we've talked about here, then make a choice and God will direct your steps. You might not know the will of God, but you can still make a godly choice. Our God is a good shepherd. I don't believe it's easy to miss the will of God. You have to purposefully ignore God. It's possible, yes, but you have to refuse to submit to God. You have to ignore his word in order to miss his will. On the other hand, I'm personally convinced that if you are trusting in the Lord with all your heart and you want his will above your own will and you are acknowledging that before him, I am convinced that it is impossible for you to miss the will of God. The promise is that he will direct our steps. So make a decision. Move forward. And as you move forward, expect God to direct your steps. Keep your hands open. If you made the wrong choice, he's big enough to redirect you. God might lead you in ways you're not expecting. Isn't that comforting? God is your shepherd. God is your father. Trust in him with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Well, let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness, to live a life that pleases you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how it teaches us how to make godly choices. 
And I pray for all the people who will be listening to this session. I pray that you might enable them by your spirit to make godly decisions, godly choices in their life. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Totally His Running the Race. I trust you are encouraged as you seek to grow in your relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. If you'd like to listen to more messages that will be an encouragement in your walk with the Lord, go to the school's website, www.eibibleschool.org, and click on the Resources tab that's at the top of the page, and then you can select the audio library in the drop-down. Training students to develop a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ that expresses itself in a life devoted to the advancement of God's kingdom is why EI School of Biblical Training exists. We offer a two-year unaccredited associate's degree where students attend classes, hear the Word of God taught, study the Word, and are encouraged to develop their relationship with the Lord. Our classes are designed to be both intellectually challenging and heart-searching. Some stay on for a third year and work towards getting a bachelor's degree. If you'd like to find out more about the school, visit our website, www.eibibleschool.org. Again, that's www.eibibleschool.org.